Hey everybody, welcome to the Base Shed Podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. Alright, so today on the show we have bass player Brian Ladd. Uh, I met Brian out here. He's been out here a few years from New York. Uh, he's an electric player. And uh, we talked a lot about the difference between L.A. and New York and um, and the similarities between the two. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty interesting conversation. Kind of a kind of day-in-the-life feel, right? There was nothing necessarily all that groundbreaking, but it was a good chance to connect with him. Um, this episode does go a little long, and um, because of that, I'll try to keep this part on the front a little shorter. Um, you know, like, I, I had been trying to keep them all around an hour, hour and 15 minutes, something like that. Uh, I know the one with Stu Ham was a little shorter. Um, but I think I'm going to stop that. Like, I'm just going to let it be whatever it's going to be. You know, I really don't do much editing on these things. Uh, I did cut out a part where we talked about whether or not he was going to get a parking ticket on my street or not. I took that part out because that was, that was kind of boring to listen to. Um, and honestly, I didn't know if he was going to get a parking ticket. Um, so that's how that resolved, in case you were wondering. I didn't know what the rules on my street were about parking. Um, and it turns out he did not get a parking ticket. What I do remember, though, is when we, when we left and we are walking to his car to see if he got a parking ticket, there was this woman walking a dog. <laughs> and Brian commented on the dog and said something very generic, like... He's a happy little guy, or something like that. Definitely referred to the dog as if the dog was male, but in this really just whatever kind of way. And the lady, I remember the lady, we recorded this back in April, by the way. Uh, now it is June something. Is it June or is it July? What month is this? Uh, 17th. It's July. It's July 17th. So we recorded this back in April. And I still remember that lady, and she just had this like look of disdain on her face when she corrected Brian about the gender of the dog. And I immediately got pissed at her <laughs> for no reason other than, like, what is wrong with you? Like, who cares? Maybe, well, obviously she cares. I can't ask that. Obviously she cares way too much about something so minuscule. 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 That's how you pronounce that word. Um, I definitely remember that, um, and then that's it, that lady was just, whatever, kind of a jerk for no reason, and, uh, Brian did not get a parking ticket, so that's what happened there, um, what's happening on the base shed, I've been finishing up a lot of transcriptions, I've created practice tracks for all of them, and now, <coughs> I don't, I'm gonna use this part of the podcast to talk about this, what I'm not doing with transcription-based learning is creating bass karaoke. This is not bass karaoke. I'm not sure if I've ever said that before, but I want to be really adamant about this. This is not bass karaoke. Um, transcription-based learning is about learning all the nuance of the bass line and all the nuance of the musician that played the original recording. Um, so really, really uh, kind of masking what they do Feeling what they're feeling while they're laying it down, duplicating their sound and attack and articulations, all of it. So this is not a bass karaoke. 
Um, <clears throat> so I've been doing a bunch of transcriptions. You'll hear us talk about Chuck Rainey on here because I referenced the Sesame Street theme that I just learned was Chuck Rainey on bass. And so that sent me on, uh, I don't know, one night I was up all night just going through Chuck Rainey shuffles uh, because I really like Chuck Rainey's shuffle, <clears throat> among other things, but I, I really like the way he plays the shuffle. And so uh, I transcribed a Chuck Rainey shuffle um, that's going to be coming up. And uh, I'm trying to build up enough content before I do the, the unveiling of it all. Because honestly, I don't know how much is too much. And I don't know. I, there's obviously, right? So hold on. Let me, let me get my words together. I'm going to keep growing it, right? And keep adding to it and all that. But I want to have enough up there that it's not just... Uh, you know, you have to be interested in James Jamerson to be a part of this or not. So I'm trying to cover, you know, a small handful of guys on the front end to at least create something. Some interest from other people that might be, uh, you know, not... Uh, some people don't get down with James Jamerson. That's that's fine. I'm not sure why they don't, uh, but I, I know that they're out there. And that's cool. Uh, so we got Chuck Rainey. I'm finishing up a Scott LaFaro today. Um, Scott LaFaro solo, uh, which is amazing and time consuming. Uh, but it's great. I love Scott LaFaro's playing. Uh, who else is uh, going to be on there? The first batch of people, we got, uh, Charlie Hayden, Jimmy Blanton, uh, Sting, Pino Palladino, uh, Chuck Rainey, Bob Babbitt. Jamerson and uh, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney was fun. I like I like I like teaching Paul McCartney. I've had to do it quite a bit over the years. Um, I picked some tunes that I hadn't taught before, uh, but that I liked the bass lines for. Um, and <coughs> so they're up there. And what led me talking about all this is I've been creating practice tracks, right? Not bass karaoke, but I'm creating practice tracks, so that technically. You can you can get the transcription together and you can get the part together before working out all the the details with the actual bass player. So by the time you get to playing a recording with Sting or Pino or any of these guys, you can then uh, focus on just their nuance and masking their nuance, and you're not you're not also fighting notes and rhythms and all that stuff. So <coughs> the all the practice tracks are right down the middle. I purposely quantized them all, um, so that there isn't there isn't any feel to them really, right? Because like I've played all these bass lines quite a bit when learning them and transcribing them and all that, and then what I've had to do to create the videos for them. Um, so like I'm really aware of how they're what their little things are, and I I didn't want those to be part of the practice tracks. So the practice tracks are sterile. And and that's on purpose because they are completely out of the way and won't influence, hopefully, um, everything you're going to gain by actually learning it, learning it from the original bass player. Uh, so that's my little keynote speech on what's happening with the website. Um, other than that, if you are enjoying the Bass Shed podcast at all, um, please go to thebassshed.com backslash podcast and um, sponsor the podcast. This does take time, energy, resources, all kinds of things to make happen. 
and if you would like to sponsor this, that would be great. Obviously, I do not run ads during this, and uh, I hope not to. Like, I don't really want to have to do that. I like just being able to get into the conversation with the guy and let let the listener follow the arc that we're that we're on uh, without breaking it up for an ad to sell home security or something else. So that's that, and um, turns out I did not keep this part short, but here's the conversation with Brian Ladd. Picking up some, some gigs with them last year. Okay. Um, but they're, they do a lot of... So basically, like, I do most of the stuff in the, in the States with them, and if it's like a, a random, you know, out-of-the-country travel date. But the thing is, they do a lot of gigs in... Um, in Europe, and they have a dude in London. Just for costs. Yeah, who just kind of picks up with them when they do the Europe stuff that's been doing it for years. So. Where's the band based out of? Here now. It started in New York. Okay. Uh, Christian and the keyboard player who started it, they're, they're all from New York. The original keyboard player actually died. Oh, shit. Yeah, like just very, very suddenly. Recently suddenly? This was like... Or just like... For... Four or five years ago, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, OD. No, he j- um. I want to say an aneurysm, but it was. It, it was some something like that. Okay. An aneurysm or a or a. Not a stroke. Yeah, I think it was an aneurysm. How old was he? Forty. That's young. Yeah. No, wait, way too young to be having shit like that yeah, happen yeah. for sure. I've had four. Seriously. Four aneurysms. Yeah. Car accident. Oh, shit. Yeah. With brain dead, like in a coma. When was this? This was, uh, I was young. I was 20, 21, 22. Like somebody so, ran a red light and I wasn't wearing my seatbelt and I was in my dad's old Jeep, right? The old CJ7. No doors, no top on because it was like, it was April. It was actually today. That's crazy. Was it the 22nd, 23rd? It was right around this. It was like the 22nd or the 23rd um, of like, oh man, I don't know what that was. Is it 03? Oh, damn, dude. Yeah. And then uh, like my girlfriend at the time found out about it because it was on the news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was... Where, where was this here? <laughs> no, this is in Phoenix. Okay. I was born and raised in Phoenix. Yeah. Four, four, and lost my sense of taste and smell for a while because of nerve damage. I had dementia. So, you, all right, so, wow. So, okay, yeah. so, so <laughs> it explains so, so much. So, <laughs> so, so, you got in this accident, and then you were in a coma for how long? Uh, just the night, I believe. And you, and you had these brain aneurysms during that time. Uh, the aneurysms were, I think, due to impact. Like I threw, I, I've never. My mom actually just mailed this somewhere around here. My mom just mailed me the police report because I've never read it. And she was talking about it last time I was there, and I'm like, oh, send it over. Like, I'm just, you know, it's been a while. I'm fine. I'm curious. Sure. I've only, like, it's kind of just a story I tell. I don't remember any of it. I remember leaving the gas station, uh, and then a friend of mine were going to get dinner, like at Denny's or something. And I remember leaving the gas station and then waking up in the hospital. Damn. So, like, I, I blacked it all out. I don't know anything. So this must have, so you probably just pulled out of the gas station and that's when you think it happened, huh? Um I remember the gas station, so I pulled out of the gas station and went down to like the major street and I was gonna hang a right. This is what I know from the police report. Uh I was gonna make a right and I started to slow down 
and their cross traffic just turned red, and she did. The minivan was trying to beat it. Ah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't see her or whatever, but I was making a right because mine was green now. I guess assuming she'd stop, she didn't. Man, that's crazy. You're the you're the second guy I know who's been in a serious accident because someone was trying to beat a red light. Really? Yeah. A buddy of mine back in in Brooklyn. Um. Uh, he's he's good now, but he was in a serious wreck because because some idiot lady ran a red light and like according to him it was more it was more than like does he remember it yeah yeah he actually remembers this i mean i'm thankful i don't remember that's a that's a total silver lining on the story is that i can't recall any of it otherwise i'd never get in a car sure um but like and like she more than ran the light like it it had been red for a while and just right was she boozed up uh you know they they weren't she she bolted oh man and they couldn't really they found her they got in touch with her later but they couldn't right test her at the time you can't do a toxicology you know? thing or whatever that's called yeah you right. can't do that a week later or right. Whatever, so. <laughs> right 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 um so yeah man that's that's fucked up yeah and that was crazy um but i mean i mean i can't identify with passing from one but uh i know a little bit about it mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's what happened to him so um it's a cool it's a cool band. It's like um they're they do well in the States and they do really good overseas. Nice. Um I wouldn't I went to South Africa with them a couple times this past I remember that. Year. That was like a few months ago, right? I went once in uh in August for a couple of dates and then we went again in December. Right. And the December trip, Christian was actually there for a long time for like a couple of weeks doing like some interviews and recordings and stuff. I just went down for like these like two gigs or so okay christian the main guy yeah okay yeah drummer singer it's, oh right it's, right. it's his it's his project okay um uh but man it's it's crazy like one of these festivals we did i mean it was like well over i think i mean between 10 and fifteen thousand people yeah you know for like for a, a house live house band trio thing and a, and a couple other bands but sure but I guess what happened was, like, they, you know, they don't, it's a different... Do you want water or anything? Yeah. It's funny, man. It's like a different system there. They don't do the, as far as radio play, they don't do the payola shit there, so... Okay. And they really like that kind of dance right. shit. Right, like the European dance vibe? Yeah. I mean, especially in Johannesburg. So... Um, I guess a, a couple of the big DJs down there got a hold of that first record they did and, and just spun the shit out of it because yeah. they could. Original music? Yeah. Okay. And now they're like basically like rock stars in a few select cities. It's funny. Crazy. It's not going to be like that in Vegas. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it'll, but it'll be cool. We're going. Yeah. We're up and uh, you want to tuck the mic in a little? Hey. I'm going the wrong way. So man, how long you been doing this uh Check one two. This is uh this will be the beginning of me launching season two of the okay. podcast. Cool. Yeah. Like I was doing them week to week. And like it was like I didn't have any in the tank. You know, like I would oh. I'd call a cat and be like, Alright, dude, I'm coming over Wednesday. You know, edit it all, like get a picture from him, get his bio, do research. So this time I'm like, I'm gonna build up a few, 
pace myself. So are you launching this like from you, you, you have like a website you're doing this from or um, it- the the brand is the base shed, right? Okay. So what that is is that's this online lessons thing I'm doing ah. that's all transcription based. So a perfect example. Oh, that's right. We were talking about this. Yeah, so I transcribe teach the transcription and then like that's all the one. characteristics of it. So like you know the Jamerson's open string thing about how he would shift when using open strings that like that'll be part of it how he you know the tension and release in his time feel all the Jamerson characteristics nice dude yeah you pick some good ones uh, yeah <laughs> man I've had to learn like not only this but I've had to learn like video editing too like I was I've been up since like eleven last night wow editing videos would you do it on Final Cut or would you um Premiere. And like I don't know anything about it, so like my brother, my brother has the Adobe Suite subscription. He's like, dude, I'll just sign you in and like go for it. All right, cool. I'm just checking out all these YouTube tutorials and trying oh, to figure it out. Yeah, I mean that it's that's cool about it is there's enough information out there to learn about it all easily, but it's a, it's a big time suck. Yeah. Like just the transcribing is a time suck, not a time suck, but. Uh, like that takes time to get it right, and then I'm releasing it to everybody. So, oh, dude, that's not what he played. Like it's actually this rhythm, yeah. you know. Like someone's gonna vibe me out on it right. at some point. And maybe it was, but you know what? Suck a dick. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And then I like I write it out in tab, and like, how do you know he played it there? I I don't know, cause yeah. I wrote it out for you. You, you transcribe yeah, it, you dick. Don't. Yeah, you yeah. figure it out. Yeah, that's, that's my standpoint. And guess uh. what? If you. <laughs> You asked Jamerson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? How did you play this? He's going to say, I don't fucking remember. Right, I just shut did up. it. Right. Right. I was drunk. <laughs> but so, man, so, so goes the world of uh, yeah, right? online content and YouTube. and. Oh, man. That's been such a thing. Like, do you do it? Do you give online lessons at all? Or like Skype lessons? or? I do. Yeah. Um, I do. Still the one-on-one thing, it's, though? It's, it's one-on-one. I haven't yeah. actually, like, recorded myself teaching a lesson and then made it, like, public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's all just, like, I have, like, maybe, depending upon the, you know, the time of year, sure. I'll have anywhere from th- th- anywhere from three to maybe half a dozen students okay. a-, a week. Yeah. That I just, you know, you know just pick a time and sure. sign on and talk and play some bass. Right, right, right. You know, some some of whom are were a couple of them are actually in-person students I had when I was back in New York. And they're out here now? And no, they but they they wanted to continue and I said, "Okay, well, yeah. if you I know a drummer that does a lot of that." Yeah. So I said, "If you well, if you don't mind doing it over the computer from now on cuz I'm not going to commute." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and they were like, "Yeah, sure. Let's, let's okay. do it that way." And then, you know, a few people that, you know, stumbled onto some of my stuff online and Yeah, what do you got online? Uh, I mean, just you know, some some videos on YouTube that have been okay. floating around there for a while. And do you have a record? Or do you have somewhere? I don't have my own record. No, is that something you're interested in? Um, y- yes. Um, although, you know, I've never really had enough material that I was, I, uh, like, how do I say this? Never had enough material that I was passionate about enough all at the same time. To release it as to, one to, batch. To, to, to make it as one record. Yeah, so yeah. what I've been kind of doing every couple of years or so, um, you know, I'll, I'll just get like, you know, two, three, four things ready to go. And I'll record it in a studio, have someone videotape it, you know, so we got some decent footage. And then, you know, that, that'll go on, on YouTube and all the... Yeah, yeah. The, the, content websites. And all the... Ex- yes. Yeah, yeah. 
content websites. That's yeah. what you call them. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That's just what it is to me. It's like you're always doing a commercial for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's so that's what like, it is. I mean, I I would I'd be totally down to do a record if I ever felt happy with, an, with a large enough amount of material right. within the span of a year or whatever it would take to do it. Right. I mean, I still I think I still got some tunes floating around that I wrote like five six years ago that that never really got the due justice mm-hmm. that I think if I were ever going to do one I'd dust them you know, like, yeah, I still like the tune it's just never really nothing happened with it yeah. but I still like it yeah or or maybe you have like a couple of really great ones but don't quite make sense with the right, rest the of it thing, or yeah. something so you shelf it or whatever I, do, do you ever do you have a record out of your own no okay no uh, I've tried a few times you know Dan Cole guitar did you ever go to his house? Yeah, I know he does these like recording sessions. These pickup sessions frequently. Do Dan do Cole. No, I don't think so. Guitar guy. Um, I think I, I want to get him to do one. Like he just had a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, that'll come into play in a second. He's also working on doing a record. Initially, I think it was going to be with me and Steve Haas. Okay. But he's like, dude, I'm having a kid now. I think I'm just going to pony up the money and get Vinny and Haslip. I'm like, yeah, all right. Great. Fair enough. Um... But I had played through a bunch of those tunes with him, and and then we talked about doing a duo record just because I love duo records. Cool. Uh, so maybe, and I'm like, dude, at some point, like if you ever get just like need to play, you know, like let's all come over and put up some mics and let's just do it. So maybe that's how that'll happen. I don't know. If I don't do it, I'll never do it. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if I don't like actually like all right, no matter what. I'm just doing this. Mm-hmm. Even if I hate it, I have to see it to completion. Uh, because, I mean, I've talked about doing them forever. And then surviving gets in the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like playing gigs and just doing whatever you have to do to pay rent. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing you're doing is writing tunes or emailing dudes to rehearse or whatever. Right. Uh. I mean, I can, I can relate in the sense that, um, uh, you, you know, just making the making the move out west here right you know that kind of puts, how long ago was that let's talk about that it's been just about it, it'll be two years in uh in, in the summer okay so what brought you up um well a few a few things um so i mean i will i will say this i i, I still love new york and i still think it's an amazing place uh-huh. but uh the scene there was just gradually getting more and more kind of stale Okay. At least, at least for me, it was. And now, what what circles were you running in? Um, I was I was doing a little bit of everything, but I was mostly playing, at least in t- as, you know, as far as the in town stuff. I was doing a lot of I was playing a lot of gigs, like on on on, on West Third Street. That was like a block which had a that's where like the Village Underground was okay. when when they had music and this, this spot called called the Groove, which I used to play at all the time. Um, the the Blue Notes, you know, right there too. Um, you know, would play there sometimes, and then. Um, those were mostly like, you know, like soul music, R&B kind of clubs. Okay. Were you in, were you just, uh, were these pickup gigs or were you in a project that would kind of work in the circuit a little bit? Um, most of them were, um, were kind of like weeklies. Okay. Like, uh, there was a, like I used to play every Tuesday at the Village Underground with this one band that kind of had a thing. Yeah. You know, I would play, uh, for a while I was playing every Monday, uh, over that spot called Groove with, um, you know, with a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they were, they, you know, it was great. I mean, the, the bands were great and, you know, the music was great. We weren't doing a lot of original stuff over there. Okay. 
um, you know, for the, you know, and then I would also, you know, do gigs at this, you know, this place called Rockwood sure. over in, over in the East, uh, on the Lower East Side. That's, that's kind of where more of like, you know, people would play their original music and do right. those kind of gigs. Is that where you met Ryan Vaughn? Uh, actually, yeah. Okay. Come to think of it, I think we did because he, yeah, because he was, uh, he, he was kind of running this little hang called the after party. Right, right. He's always, there. he's always managing something. Yeah. yeah I like and, guy. uh. It was just kind of a hang, and like you know, a bunch of musicians and singers would show up, and everyone would play a song or two, and yeah, yeah, you know, just just an excuse to kind of get together and play a little bit of music. Sure. So yeah, I did meet him there, and then um, on the jazz front, uh, you know, I would you know play at fifty five bar sometimes, uh, you know, an occasional blue note gig, and then some of those gigs were would even just pop up at, you know, whatever place would would have that kind of yeah, music. Yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't always necessarily like a jazz place right where, where you'd where you'd play that kind of stuff you know yeah. which is I, I think that's i don't know if that's really unique to to new york city but when i think of new york city and i think in new york like i've been there a few times but i haven't like really really hung there mm-hmm. when i think about that scene and that jazz scene how is the electric accepted there um well in the in the traditional scene it's not at all sure sure um I mean, but in any kind of like cutting edge creative music scene, or do they still want an acoustic bassist? Well, in the in the more I guess we'll call it kind of in the scene of the more modern contemporary stuff, it's kind of is. I feel like it was kind of fifty fifty. Okay, you know there were there would be some some guys whose music they would still want the acoustic bass, and that's cool. And then yeah. there'd be a lot that would um, that uh. That would be very electric bass forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the kind of cool thing about that is, um, uh, you know, I was I, I, I still play with this band's been a little quiet this year, but we did a record last year in in New York. Um, I started playing with this band called Prager, which is like okay. a, it's like like like. Like the game Frogger, but with a P. Okay. And you. I was actually going to make a joke, but I'm like, ah, eh, maybe there's. You well, know, and you'd you'd think by that name it would be a Rush tribute prog <laughs> right, rock right. band, yeah. but it's it's actually not at all. It's um. Uh, my friend Brian Donahoe started that band, and it's it's sort of I you know he's a lot of the the band kind of started in Texas, so it's it's I guess you could kind of call it an offshoot of that band Snarky Puppy, that okay. sort of vibe, because it's it's a lot of those same guys from that same Texas inbred family of, of the same people. kind of um real like modular writing like that where it's very section based so, some of it was okay some of it yeah um well in fact uh brian the guy who who started this band was the original tenor player in snarky puppy so he kind of okay. kind of saw a lot of that sure thing right <laughs> um but uh, getting back to how that, uh, what was going on in New York. So I mean, you know, that band we would, you know, we would play at like jazz type spots, and then we would also play at Rockwood, which is not really a jazz place at all. Sure. So it was just, you know, like 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 any music that's a, that's even remotely, uh, I guess you'd call you know experimental. You know, you just kind of find wherever we'll have it. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right, you know? right, right, right. You'll let us do this here. Okay, mm-hmm. great, great. We'll be there. So then what? What what was it that brought you out? Were you just leaving? How do I say this? Were you leaving New York, or were you coming to L.A.? I was, I, it was more of a coming to L.A. thing. Okay. Um, 
there's at the end of the day, there's just more work here right now. Yeah, it's it's been a slow burn for me since I got here for sure because there's a lot of people out here. But yeah, there's definitely more to you know to be had, and it just seems at least at the moment it seems a little more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the type of work out here, you know all the you know the, the touring stuff and the recording world. I mean, there's just you know it's just as as you know it's just more of an industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Town for sure. Sure. Um, I mean, so, sessions have dropped off severely. Like when I got here, I was doing, I was doing actually a lot of hip hop sessions when I got mm-hmm. here. But like, then it turned into the singer song. Like I was playing upright on singer songwriter records. That was a session thing. Man, like sessions just super few and far. Yeah, that's for sure. Between now, like you know, everybody's got a buddy who plays bass, and they got an inbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you know technology. Uh, took over yeah. and made it every I mean it's cool that everything is that approachable. It, I like that. Exactly. But it also screws the profession a little bit. It yep, yeah. absolutely. It's my 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 take on it is is basically what you said. It's like you can you know, you can you can it's way easier to put yourself out there and sure. you know and actually have some kind of uh impact as an artist right but yeah it's absolutely messed up the the um the economic side of it yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but getting back to what you're saying about sessions I, there's still more of that going on out here than than there was in new york at, okay. at, at least at least for me i mean sure. I'm, I'm sure you could talk to someone who's been in new york forever and has been crushing it forever and they're going to tell you something totally different right um so and you know, in in New York, I just I, you know it started it started to feel a little like I'd kind of hit a ceiling as far as my as far as what I could do there as far as the you know you know the contacts I had and the mm-hmm. you know and you started to started to feel like the you know the hamster on the wheel thing a little bit yeah 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 um and what really didn't help this is this is the thing I tell pretty much everybody when they ask what's going on over there I say well. New York, it's it's always been that stereotypically, you know, quote tough place to live, and but you know if you just stick with it and blah 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 blah, you'll you know you'll find your space and sure. you know and you'll you know some things will happen, which is true. But what happened was it went from being you know expensive and a, and a grind to live there to being ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. How long were you there? I was there about a little over ten years. Okay, where from originally? So I was born uh, in in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, about you know an hour and a half, two hours from okay. the city. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was was born there. I, I did the Berkeley thing, you know, in Boston for a little bit, and then okay. moved, and then moved right to New York after school, and yeah. just kind of kind of planted myself there. Sure. Now, did you did you have like a like I know out here there's a bunch of Berkeley dudes that all kind of roll together. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't graduate from a school, so I don't have that kind of uh, peer connect with. You know, there's USC guys that all kind of, when they got all got out of USC together, they kind of came up together, and then their careers sure. split. And then the Berkeley dudes, when they all got here, there's the Miami guys. Um, was that was that kind of a thing? Like coming from Berkeley to New York, did you come with some peers? And you're like, all oh, right, ab- we're all band of brothers. Absolutely. But, okay. Absolutely. And and exactly what you just said, you know, happened. You know, people kind of find you know different paths and sure. you know start doing other stuff, but. What's been cool about coming out here to LA is there's a whole nother sect of 
people I went to school with that, you know, decided to make the move out here right after school. So it's been really cool getting to kind of reconnect with, you know, with a lot of those folks. Yeah. What year did you graduate? I was out of there in 06. 06. Yeah. So it's been a little while now. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of who, who is in your class that's out here? It's out here. Um, um. Me and my buddy Ruslan used to play together all the time. Okay, yeah. And, you know, he's someone I bear, you know, I hardly ever saw until, you know. You guys just did Oz Noy's record, right? Or was Oz Noy on the record? What happened? Like, I saw you post about that, and I wanted to talk to you about the record oh. you just did with Oz, because I'm, I'm a big Oz Noy fan. Oh, yeah, no, Oz is great. Th- that wasn't actually a, a record, though. So oh, okay. What, what's... So, uh, Ruslan and, um, do, you know this guy, do you know this guy named Roy Karyok? No. Another Israeli cat? No. They, uh, along with this other Israeli dude who's a drummer named named Asher Fetty, they have the, kind of a hookup at a studio over in um, uh, in in Woodland Hills. Okay. Um, so every you know every few weeks to a month, we'll just figure out when everybody's around and we'll just show up and just do w- stuff. Work out a tune, record it, yeah. make a little video, and okay, and go home. Yeah. So. Uh, Oz was involved with that one because it was right around Nam, and Roy and Oz are are homies. You know, okay. You know they're bo- you know they're guitar homies, and they're they're both originally from Israel too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Oz came over, and we you know did one one of those sessions was with him. We we just did one tune with him though. Okay. And it was it was great. I mean, you know, yeah, he, like I'm, he I'm played fan. his ass off as yeah. you would expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Uh, where were we? All right, so you oh, so Ber- Ber- you go to Berkeley stuff from Berkeley. Uh, and then what were the gigs that you got, uh, you kind of picked up as soon as you get there? Uh, or how'd you get into the scene, I guess? Like, was, did you have, uh, you started studying with someone who grandfathered you in, or you just kind of hit the pavement every night and... It was, it was a pavement thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of the only way I've had any, really been able to get any traction yeah. in, in any scene that I've sure. found my way into. Um, I mean, I've definitely had some... Some teachers who have, um, you know, been helpful, but the vast majority of of uh, the, the traction we'll call it I've gotten has just just been from showing up to places, right, and just being there, just being out. You know, yeah. You know, New York definitely had a very healthy scene of, yeah, show up, you know, hang out till the end, play a few songs at the end, meet some people, and you know, as it goes, when house bass player X yeah, is gone, yeah. okay, now we need you. Right, right. right. You know, and you, it just kind of built from there, and okay. since coming to LA, it's it's been pretty much the same method for me. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I did, you know, just from being older and having, you know, between some Berkeley contacts and a lot of people I know from New York that came out here shortly before I did. The New York to LA thing has been a little bit of an easier transition than the straight out of school to New York thing. Sure. Um. But you know, it's still it's still the same method. You know, I'm still out. You know, pretty much anywhere from anywhere from four to seven nights a week. Yeah. You know, showing up. I used hanging to do out that, and, man. I can't. Like, I've just. I'm a. I'm, I think I'm a little bit right now in L.A. Like you were talking about New York, just hamster on the wheel, just like. I don't know. I'm not gonna say I hit a ceiling here, but a uh, little burnout. Just a little. You know, another yeah, gastro pub in another corner, and another like oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, uh, it's, I think that's. I think that'll kind of happen anywhere that you spend enough enough yeah, time in. Like I've been out here since '06, mm-hmm. so uh, 
yeah, like a lot of clubs have closed since I've been out here, and <clears throat> I know a lot of guys, and that's cool. You know, I'm thankful for that. But you get you get in this little niche of doing these things, and then you're always just doing that thing, and then it's just, you get burnt out on it. You got to take some time off, then you end up getting into another thing, and the same cycle repeats, and right, you get burnt out on that one. Um, I mean, everything. It's I think that's just kind of the nature of of any. I don't know of any business really. I mean, once you, you know, you, and it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I think it's just more of a, uh, I think it's just more of a reality than, than we think it's supposed to be, if that makes any sense. Think- meaning like, meaning like, I think everything kind of becomes a black hole after, yeah. after a certain thing, even the best gig in the world. Sure. You know, you got guys that are, you know, playing for Billy Joel and by, you know, by the third year of doing that, it's like, yeah, okay, it's, it's great, but it's a gig and I'd probably rather do something different, but sure. not that I'm not going to turn this down, of course. Right, but, right. So, I don't know, I guess, I guess for me, I've just, I've sort of, I've been trying to... How do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it fresh? How do you, what, do you have an outlet? Do you write music? Are you, um... Like, what are you doing to creatively keep your thing fresh? Because you get, when you do get in these ruts, I know mm-hmm. for me, like, my playing will get stale. Oh, for sure. And that's the first, that's the first kind of uh, blip on the radar. It's like, all right, something's got to change here. Like, I got to, my playing's starting to suffer. You know, I mean, I could be working a lot, but it's all the same gigs and it's all the same situation and it's just paint by numbers and... Right, and yeah. you, and I'm sure you're crushing it, but in your mind, you're you're sick of your own playing. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's the worst. Right, I'm so tired of hearing myself play. Um, yeah, but, well, it's I'm in a little bit of a different spot right now, just because, you know, I'm. This is still a very new scene for me. <clears throat> Two yeah. years really isn't that, that long of a time in a in a big place like this. So, that is kind of taking care of itself in a way, just okay. by just by nature of just having to. By you know just having to do different things than right, still just being out and you know making the hangs and all that right. Yeah. Which you know that by by the time you know by the, my last few years in New York, I would I just wasn't doing very much of that just because like you know you you kind of you've been to everything. You, you know them. You know you what I mean. Like, and they know you. And it's right. Just like if you're gonna call me for a gig, you have my number. Right. And it's like even if even if you're just going to check something out right. at a certain point. It, it, this is gonna come off weird. I don't mean like there was nothing new going on. No, I know what you mean. But you know, you after a certain point, you get a little burnt going to the same rooms, and yeah. you know. So no, I feel you. I, I don't know, and I think some of that is taking. I know, I know for me, taking the scene for granted a little bit. For sure. Like if I if I still lived in Arizona and you know Abe Laborio was at the Potato, and I and I could just mm-hmm. drive out for the night, you know, if I had the time, I would probably do that. And now it's like it's right down the street. It's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll go if someone will put me on the list. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like I don't want to pay a cover. Like I just become so, uh, what's the word? Not jaded. It's not jaded. No, it's like I take it for granted. Yeah, I, it becomes it becomes the norm. Yeah, there's so much great talent around all the time. It's just like eh, I don't want to leave the house. Right. They'll still be there tomorrow or next week or whenever the thing mm-hmm. is. And you just, for me, I don't make the hangs, and then that becomes a pattern. Yep, yep. But there's sure. there's definitely music that is inspiring to go check out. Oh hell yeah, yeah. And what's what's been really cool for me is 
so there's all the you know the heavyweights in New York that you grow up listening to and hearing and you know you get to you know you get to hear them and you know actually see them play because you know New York is their home base right um who are your guys I mean I well, I mean, I used to. I mean, I'm sure we all have the same, you know, handful of core. Sure. Well, yeah. as far as the well, as far as guys in New York that I would go see, I mean, I would, I loved going to see Anthony Jackson play. I mean, okay. he was, he's still has been for a very long time, and still is probably my number one dude. He's on your base, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. He, maybe, I don't know if he's necessarily. He might be number one, but yeah, he would. He's definitely one of the top three or four. Yeah. All right. So I used to love going to you know going to see him if he was at the fifty five bar or the Blue Note or or wherever the hell. Um, let's see who else did I get to see? Um, it was just well, and then there were some uh, kind of like not necessarily famous dudes, but were kind of like New York legends. Like there was this this dude named Ron Long in New York who I used to love going to Long? watch. Lo- Long, Long, okay. L O N G, yeah. Um. You know, he's, uh, you know, he was just... Is he just a working guy in New York? I mean, he was more than just a working dude. I mean, he was, you know, he played for, like, all the... He played for, like, a lot of those tours in the 90s. You know, okay. play, like, you know, like Mary J. Blige and, like, those kind of oh, people. Okay. And, um, you know, it was just probably one of the funkiest people on the planet. Okay. You know. Um, I was still thinking, like, electric jazz, Anthony Jackson type. No, 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 no. Different, oh, okay. di- different, totally different world. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he was always a lot of fun to go watch. And then maybe... Um, you know, I'd get to see Patitucci play some, you know, sometimes, you know, because that's, you know, where he was, he was based. Right. Um, but it's, but, you know, again, after a while, you know, you start to, and not that it gets old, but it's been cool coming out here and having a whole new batch of guys that I've yeah. always looked up to, like, you know, like, like Jimmy Haslip and, yeah, yeah. um, maybe, you know, maybe Abe Laboreal and all those people who, you know, don't really show up in New York all that often. Right. They're they're kind of West Coasters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that's been kind of that's been really refreshing. Sure. I mean I feel like if I was in New York I would I'd I'd hit it hard. Like I'd go out every night like checking out all the dudes and going to see Ron Carter and, you know, mm-hmm. Larry Grenadier and all the dudes that I've Yeah. That would cost me so much money. Just going out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but but you know what though, after a while you'd you know, you'd you'd make friends with who you needed to make friends with, yeah, and yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd probably stop getting charged to cover every time. <laughs> right, right, that'd be nice. You know, yeah, you know how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, so cool. So we're back at the story. You're getting plugged in in New York. Mm-hmm. What uh, you're just bouncing around doing groove jazz gigs. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, well, like, we can call it that. Okay. And that was kind, man. That was kind of my life there for for most of it, you know, doing, you know, some original stuff with, with whoever. And then, you know, some of these sort of, how close is the, the repertoire in that world to LA? Cause LA, everybody does the same 40, 45 tunes. It's, um, at least in the circle that I was kind of running in, th- there was, it, there's definitely some crossover there. And then there's definitely some stuff that doesn't get played out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to I forget who I was talking to about this, but New York definitely is a little more of a tune centric place. I feel like com- compared to here, well, you got to know a lot. It's at 
at least in the little world that I was in, sure. it was it was it was kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you you know a lot because a lot of these singers would would want to do a lot of these kind of hipper you know B sides, which which was great because it would be a lot of fun to do that. Right. Um, but I found out here, especially like when you show up in like a, a jam situation, um, everybody just kind of wants. Not always, but most of the time, everyone just kind of wants to vibe over something. Yeah, which which is cool too. Can be, but it's just it's not it's not the the world that I'm coming from. I guess. Right, right, right. So, um, you know, because I like I like playing songs. Yeah, I'm. Right. I mean, I'll I'm all for improvising, but I, I I my preference is to center it around. Yeah, something gives something, something some shape. Yeah. yeah, right. It gives you. It gives you something to construct, right? Like I have to build a an arc over this, mm-hmm. you know, and then with every soloist you get to do it again. Like when you're playing a form, uh, I don't get into the vamp style playing. Mm. It's not my thing. See, I, I think, I I, lo- I do like it, but I like it when I'm playing with people I I know a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if if I'm playing with three, four people that I've played with before and we have a pretty good understanding of where everyone's <clears throat> coming from, then that's the that's the time to just kind of, you know... Yeah, it's a different conversation. Pull, pull the form out of the equation and just go for something. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always the dude that if it's, if, you know, if it's like a first gig or a just a sit-in situation, I'm, I'm always a dude that wants to play something that at least kind of ties everyone together yeah. to start with anyway. Sure, right, right. You know, that way everyone's kind of speaking... Somewhat of the same language. <laughs> well, let's hope. Let's you know? hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so you're bouncing around. Um, what's the... I don't want to say what's the goal. You, you, is there aspirations of picking up more touring, more session work? Like, would you want a big pop gig? I would, I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I did come out here to kind of do more of the, of the traveling stuff. Okay. You know, just because it's something different than what I was doing back east. Right. You know, most of... What I was doing back there was pretty much all in town, and that's yeah. not all of it, but I'd say eighty percent. You know, I just wasn't on the road that much, and I do like to tour and travel. So, okay, but because none of that work is going out in New York, um, you know, this is kind of the place to be. Sure, for that. So, yeah, I would d- I'm definitely trying to get on more of that circuit. You know, playing with more of the pop artists, some of you know more of the you know the R and B artists, and. Um, and that's been working out so far. I mean, within, okay. you know, within a couple of years of being here, I've definitely, definitely logged more travel miles, you know, than I did for most of the time I was back on the East coast. So, nice. you know, not all of it has been, you know, heavy pop touring, right. but it's, but it's definitely more in, it's definitely more streamlined with what I've been trying to make happen. So that's, right, right. so that's good. Okay. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I'm kind of scattered. Like, I mean, I love, I, you know, I love, you know, playing, you know, jazz and improvisational stuff, but I mean, I love playing just pop and R&B tunes with singers. Right, right, right. So I'm not really married to the idea of it's got to be a pop tour, it's got to be a pop gig, or, or it's got to be a, a, this thing. I mean, just right. any, it's, I just want to do something that's musically fulfilling sure. with people I like. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, got, that's dream, right? you know, yeah. that's. It's got a little bit of money behind that, it. That financially, right? Yeah. That's financially doesn't have to be a shit ton of money, but just something that makes sense. <laughs> right, right, right. And you know, something that I feel like there's some room to grow. Yeah. Like I would love to get in a gig where I could feel like, okay, this is only going to get better doing this for the next three, four, five years. Right. You know, as opposed to feeling like, oh, I can see this getting stale in six months, kind of thing. Right. 
was what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about coming out to LA? Like you're still, my early years mm-hmm. in LA were like that's. I can remember them, but yeah. I don't. I don't know what advice. I'm too detached at this point, and I'm older. You know, I was sure. 24 when I got out here, so mm-hmm. there's all the 24 involved with mm-hmm. it. Uh, what would What would your advice be to someone coming out at any age or playing level? Sure. Um, well, again, with the with the with the relatively short amount of experience I have out here. Um. <laughs> that's, that, that's a good question. Because um, I think I think I met I met this bass player named Pablo Mota. Okay. And Pablo, I think he well, I knew he had moved back to Argentina, Argent yeah, because um, he was a tango guy and he just wanted to play tango and he went back there. Interesting. But he had subbed me a gig with Dennis Ham, and then after I, I met Dennis, and I met Dennis when it was like I don't know my first year of being here or something. Um. I started to know a lot of guys through that, through those two guys specifically. Like then mm-hmm. I just started meeting a bunch of dudes, and the piano bar was the hang. Right, you know, that's like, what I heard. Yeah, that man, the piano bar was the best. That was done before I got here, oh, pretty much. So, <clears throat> that and uh, what was the other spot that everyone used to go to? Uh, court Cafe Court ca- uh, um, Cafe yeah, Cordial. Cordial. Yeah, yeah, that was the other one. I keep I keep hearing about. Yeah, that, that was the that I missed. Uh, piano bar was the piano bar was the that was it. So to, the advice to my would be knowledge. just get out there and get get into circulation. Oh, oh yeah, the advice yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, thing number one, definitely be you know be ready to go out and pound pavement and you know be friendly and talk to people and sure. that that's one. I mean, that's just that's just kind of that's just kind of new in town one hundred and one. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. You know, well, so. I mean, man, I don't even know. Yeah, it's that. I mean, yeah, I'm not even new in town, but I feel like my work has dipped off because I'm not out. You know, like I'm just not, mm-hmm. I'm not visible. And I'm not like yeah. super, uh, I have no real online presence, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm just not in people's but, face. Yeah, but, but you're working and it's, you know, it's, yeah, it gets that much harder to, to, to do the, the quote hanging when you've. You know, when you're working three, four, however many nights right, you know, right. a week, because the couple nights you have off, you kind of need a night off sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I would say, yeah, so definitely do that if when you when you get here, or really when you move to any new city. Sure. Um, and then this this is something I'm still trying to work on, but you know, have a have a fairly clear. Um, you know, a vision of what you, you're trying to do. Okay. doesn't have to, I mean, I don't know, how, I don't, you know, how laser focused that has to be. That depends on who you're talking to. But And how militant you're going to be about that thing. Right. Yeah. You know, there's guys that are like, I'm, you know, I'm here to play, to play avant-garde jazz and only avant-garde jazz. And, and look, if you're, if your focus is that dead, is that on, you know, great. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never been quite that quite that focused you know mm-hmm. for me i've always just you know i'm i'm a bass player i'm not really a writer and i'm not a producer okay any interest um, in either of those i mean i i do like writing from from a rhythm section standpoint with okay. people's projects and helping arrange. I, I do like helping arrange things okay and um you know being in the studio and you know and 
kind of, I, I guess what you would call maybe some little sideline producing, but... Uh, just kind of having a round table, kicking around ideas, everybody yeah. in it for the nature of the tune, and let's, let's exactly make this stronger. I, I love being involved. I don't want to be that guy that's just like, tell me what to play right. so I can do it. and be, No, no, I mean, I definitely want to be involved, but, sure. um, but I'm not at home really, you know, doing tracks and writing songs right, for right, artists. Right. That's, you know... That's, that, a, that's a different world. You know, yeah. and I, I mean... It's an awesome world. I just never, I never caught that bug. <sighs> no, me neither. I, I'd like to, you know, like that. That's where I'm at with it. Like, I kind of wish I had at some point because it seems mm-hmm. fun. It's another another outlet of the creative process, but I can't. Uh, there's not enough that I know about it right now to keep me in it. If that makes sense. Sure. You know, like, you know, the first time. When did you start playing? Actually, when did you start playing the bass? I was well. I was twelve years old. You know, my okay. my 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 pops is a bass player. Right, right. And um, you know, I always kind of wanted to, but like even younger, because I would you know see him play, and I would go see his band and yeah. and whatnot. But uh, as you know, the you know the bass, you you kind of have to ha- be physically a certain size before you can even operate the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even the electric bass. I'm not talking about. Right. I'm not right. even talking about upright. I mean, just your arm just has to be a certain length to reach. Yeah. No, I've had students that are like young kids, and they mm-hmm. have to get the little bronco bass. Like, get, otherwise, you can't really get your arm all the way down there and get the pressure into the string, and like, you know, get your hand mm-hmm. to stretch like that. And it's it's a grown folks instrument. Yeah. So, fu- and I was just, I was not a tiny kid, but I was not a big kid to begin with. So, okay. but I think by the time I was like 12 or 13, I was finally like big enough to kind of start messing with it and i think when my pop saw that oh you, you actually like this all right let's get you a a it wasn't like a tiny bass but it was like uh it was like a short scale bass like you see okay. like like you know 32 33 yeah i think it probably was like a 32 or something okay. like that so it was way more manageable but it wasn't right. like one of those tiny yeah, yeah, yeah. fenders you see a lot like little kids playing <laughs> yeah, these days yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they had those back in the no mid 90s or whenever this was <laughs> right yeah but i um but that, that's kind of where I was thinking. It's like the first time I heard my dad's friend play the bass, like there was enough in that that like I have to do that. You know, like I heard enough in it that made me want to continue to pursue it. But with writing and producing, like there's not there's not enough in it that really grabs me. Yeah. I, well, I like writing. I do like writing. I, I can, no, dude, I can, I can relate for sure. I mean, production, that's not my vibe. I mean, that's what I mean by not really catching that bug because, yeah. you know, something has to hit you in the solar plexus right. to make you go, I want to do that. Right. You know, so, whether it's, you know, hearing a, whether it's watching someone do it and getting turned on by the process or yeah. just hearing some just, you know, just really well-made song and then finding out that this is, this guy did this all, yeah. you know on said program or whatever and that being interesting you know it's, it could be a, it could be a number of things yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I feel like when i learn about those they're fascinating but it's like all right like it's, it's not enough mm-hmm. uh and i also like respect that that's its own world and i if i'm not gonna get that deep in it like i know how deep i am into this and it's just like every every aspect of it the well goes that deep right i, I can't you know, I, if I really want to be great at something, like I can't have my hand in all the cookie jars. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I've, I've picked my lane. Yeah, that's I, absolutely, <laughs> dude. I can, I can, one hundred percent relate to that. And yeah, we're 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 similar in that way. It's yeah. it's like if, 
um, to get into, you know, production and, and the writing thing, you know, like, like you said, I, I am also very well aware that that is a deep world that I'm right. never going to maybe be able to, that I probably won't be able to go as deeply into as I'd maybe like to. Sure. So the only reason I would be doing it is either a, you know, for, for, for need mm-hmm. or just because, you know, there's a, there's, you know, you, you catch that bug that I keep talking about that yeah, actually yeah. just makes you really, regardless of how good you are at it. You right. Just, you just have to, you do just want to do it. Right. 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 And I'm just, I'm like you, I'm also just not at that point. That could change. Yeah. Man, something I get concerned about, I don't know if you've thought about this, the nature of the freelance musician in the age within the music business we're in. Mm-hmm. <sighs> like, I don't know how old you are, actually. How old are you? I'm, uh, I'm 35. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm 37. Okay. So, um, I'm getting to a point where I'm just... You have to decide before you, you say it? Like you're, you're probably the last person that's going to get a number out of me because I'm to a point now where I'm just telling people I'm 30-something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell them I'm fine. Yeah, I'm thirty something. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about don't it. Don't worry about it. We're good here. Um, like when you know when I started in fifteen, sixteen, and I'm looking at the guys who are like my age when I was younger. It was a viable career, and you could you could have a house. I mean, in Phoenix, you could have a house and a family, and you could be you know playing mm-hmm. resort gigs, and it was cool. But man, like. Gigs aren't gigs are paying the same, you know, and like what is going on? And with the, I get concerned about it a lot, and I'm, mm-hmm. I wonder what it's gonna look like in five years. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, and I'd, uh, I don't really know how to navigate that. Uh, I feel like something's got to change, right? And I, I don't really believe. I would love to believe, but I don't really think it'll go back at all. Not, not a. It, I would agree with you. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's ever gonna visually look the way. Sure. The way we kind of picture it in the in the glory days of when you right. know you could you know yeah, go when, make a couple of, hundred bucks on a Tuesday night. Right. Or when yeah. guys were doing three and four sessions a day if if they right. if they wanted to. You know that's that's definitely changed and that particular structure is probably not coming back anytime soon and that's all right. Um. I don't know, dude. And to be honest with you, I'm trying. Kind of, I'm I'm sort of trying not to think too hard about it. <laughs> um, just, I, I, don't, just, I don't know if I'm thinking like I'm not. I'm not saying a, I'm not saying you're crazy, but no, I don't have a bunch of anxiety <laughs> about it. But I I, I got to be aware of this, you know. Sure. Uh, like, huh? What the? Like, if I don't change with the times in some way, I'm gonna get bulldozed, you know? Because this playing just gigs to pay rent. <clears throat> that's I mean that's. That's really hard right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's that going to be in five years? When like, maybe all the DJs have taken over, or clubs are just playing a Spotify list now. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, I don't yeah, know what it's going to be like. It's 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 a scary idea. I mean, like, even <clears throat> even teaching with this, mm-hmm. like, doing the, not even dealing with the student face to face anymore. That's odd. You know, just creating curriculum to just roll against the wall and then if anybody's interested they check in right that's way different than teaching at your local music store and having 20 students a week mm-hmm. for sure and it's and neither one's but, better or worse 
but it's right. I was going to say I don't know if that's that's I don't know if that's necessarily a step backwards. No, no, but... no it's not. But it's the reinventing. I guess is I'm looking all the time to to see where we as musicians fall in that and how to not be stuck in this old way of thinking. That's well, I, I don't think, know what's going on there. I think as long as I think you're, my opinion, I think you're doing it right. I mean, I think as long as you're looking and sure. I think I think just awareness is kind of the name of the game. I mean, as long as you're just aware that, you know, things are gonna change and you will have to adjust. Sure. Um and you're looking for that and more importantly are okay with that reality. Right. I, I at least for me, things have always kind of naturally sort of sort, sort of shown themselves. Sure. Like oh you know, like oh okay, here's what Here's what here's what we got to do. Like, yeah. you know, for, did the move to LA kind of unfold in an organic sense like that, or was that more of a purposeful? It, it was, like I'm given this eight months and I'm you know getting my things together in New York and you know I got a launch date to head to the West Coast, or was it more of an organic like everything just pushing you in that direction? Um, a little a little of both. I mean, okay. a lot of it came up organically, and then you know, I think just anytime you do. Something like that. Move. You have yeah. to you have to kind of set a time frame. And yeah. in my case, um, me and uh, uh, my wife at the time, who's now unfortunately my ex, um, sure. I, I know we how, um, how long were we you married? Well, we were together a total of thirteen years, married okay. for a little over five. Okay, um, but anyway, that's for another day. Sure, sure. <laughs> but we did. You know, we both decided we wanted to give this a try. You know, we were both. You know, had been in New York that that same amount of time. Okay. So you know, we had a lot of friends out here that had been out here for years and spoke well of what was going on, and also, like I was saying earlier, a lot of cats that um, had recently moved from New York out here, and within a few years, just seemed to be doing so much better than yeah than they were on the East Coast. And you know, you see that happen over and over and over. You're like, okay, well, maybe there's there's some validity you know, to this. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe right. this isn't as fluky as right. as it seems at first. Yeah. So that was the I guess that was sort of the organic part of okay. what sort of kind of drew us out out here. Yeah. And then, you know, we we picked the time we did because our, you know, our lease <clears throat> at our sure. spot in Brooklyn ended, so we figured, all right, that's good enough a time as any to get out there and start right. working and That's a natural that's a natural juncture either to sign something new or look for a new spot, right? And you know what, you know, we were both uh, you know, Flying back and forth quite a bit the first year, okay. you know, for one thing or another. Just um, like scoping it out and getting a feel for it, or like looking at apartments, checking out parts of town to live in. Like, was it more oh, recon or just kind of hang? Uh, well, when we were coming out here for the for uh, research purposes, I guess yeah. you'd say it was it was both. You know, we okay. were you know we were definitely doing recon. I like that yeah. word. <laughs> and but you know, part of the recon was just linking up with people that sure. we know out here. And yeah, of course. You know, because it's kind of, hey, it's enjoyable to yeah. spend time with people. Right, and be, right, and reconnect with and people. And B, that's the best kind of recon, so, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Exactly. They're going to let you know what's up. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. But then even what, what what I was, I guess what I meant, though, is once we actually made the move out here for the first, you know, for the first six months or so, I was definitely flying back to the city, you know, once a month, every other month for okay. one thing or another that, you know, still made sense to hang on to. Yeah, yeah. Not even so much for money, just for you know, like some of the tu- little bit of touring stuff I was doing that was based there. Okay. That would still rehearse there, and we kind of worked it out to where, 
you know, okay, could you could you come back for this kind, you know, stuff, right. stuff like that. But but getting uh, anyway, <laughs> getting back to what you were saying though about where's things going as far as just being a freelancer. Yeah, well, like um, you 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 really, I mean, that's not a bad. That's probably a healthier, more healthy perspective. Healthier, more healthy. Do both of those work? Yeah, health, okay. healthier. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> I like that. All right, uh, Either one, that's a better perspective than you know trying to eh, eh, when's the you know when's the Jenga tower gonna fall? And I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, and I'm probably not. For the record, I wasn't suggesting you're looking at it no, as, no, a, no. as a doom and gloom situation. <laughs> no, but maybe I am. I don't know. But I think you got a. I think you got a nice approach to it. To just like, all right, things will sort themselves out. I guess I don't ever want to be caught off guard in my own life or career, because. Um, like I remember when I first got to LA, MySpace was a thing. Oh yeah. And I was talking to my brother about like, hey man, like and you know, my brother still lived back in Phoenix at the time. And like, yeah, hey, like I'm gonna start building a website. I feel like I should have one while I'm out here. You know, whatever. He's like, dude, why don't you just get a MySpace page? I'm like, what's that? Like, I, that whole thing in that part of the world. Like, I didn't know social media was happening, and it was still new and all that back then. Um, but I never really got on that thing, and I feel like. I don't know if there's regret there, but it's just like, I mean, I can still fix it, right? So it's mm. not like it's gone. But it's like, huh, all right, I didn't really didn't really jump on that one like I should have. And I still have a hard mm. time with it. There's that. I have... Yeah, well... I don't like what it is, and I don't like what it tends to mean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I'm not posting, then I'm not... Then you're not doing it. Then not, right, exactly. Then, then, you, then I don't you must, exist. Then you must be sitting on the couch doing nothing. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, my little kind of synopsis of social media and how it applies to what we do and just internet presence in general is it it helps and it is a, a part of it for sure. Sure. But it's it's just that. It's a, it's a part of it. Right. You know, all the other pieces still need to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, like for... In my experience, having and again, I'm not an internet tycoon like like a lot of other people, but you know, ha- but having some internet social media presence, whatever you call it, has has definitely helped. Okay, but it's never like quote sealed the deal on on right. most of the of the uh, on the whatever whatever on the little bit of success I've had. It, it sure you know some of it was helped by that, but it wasn't solely because. Beyonce re- reposted something of mine, right. <laughs> or, 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 right. or whatever ha- sometimes happens. Did you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's worth a shot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hey, weirder shit has happened. Yeah, but that's true. But no, that's just example of you know. But plus, you know, the thing that's, and I'm sure you've noticed this, is a lot of, uh, and again, not all the time, but you've probably noticed that a lot of these artists that kind of come up because they got discovered from having a, a billion views on YouTube they will have a career but there's just no shelf life to to, to right. a lot of these anymore because a lot of these artists are literally just that they're you know people yeah, who kind of some lives by the sword die by the sword you know right. like you know they want to come up in that world you got to go down with that world right because there's gonna be another one of you they're really exactly they're yeah. really good at making a, a cool video at their house and yeah. and getting it out there online because they're slick with, you know, how to 
share things and whatever. But right. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I'm just. I'm starting to notice that there's. I mean, when was the last time you heard of an artist that got discovered because of a a viral video and is still kind of really doing stuff? I mean, the. I mean, I know Bieber got started that way, but sure. But I feel like. But for, right, for, he did, but he was also he got people behind him really quick, mm-hmm. and I don't know that much about him. I I do get curious from the things I have. Well, heard his about favorite him. food is pizza. And it's, <laughs> it, Specifically, his from... favorite his favorite color is green. I, yeah. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> like, I wonder how much of that was just like a narrative that was also created by a marketing team. Like, hey, you know, initially maybe someone found him on YouTube, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's play that angle. Now he's this like diamond in the rough for that sure. we are just gonna completely milk. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, like marketing is like politics to me. Like I don't trust any of it. Oh yeah, you know, it's all just a dog and pony show. Like whatever. One of the best quotes I ever heard or pieces of advice was, "Nothing is ever, ever what it seems." Yeah, exactly. Who who quoted? Who was it from? Oh, that was my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he didn't make that up. Right, right. But that's where I heard it. Yeah, that's solid. It's accurate. Yeah. It's accurate, especially when it comes to the music business and marketing and/or politics. Yeah. So, uh, what do you got but, coming up? Um. Well, like I said, this week is kind of mellow till the till the weekend. Then just doing um. Doing uh, playing with that band Tortured Soul out in mm-hmm. out in Vegas. You know that that live house thing I was right. telling you about. Which sounds like a metal band, but it's it does, but it's not. <laughs> right, it either sounds like a metal band or like a Christian rock band. Yeah, like a dark Christian rock yeah, band. Yeah, <laughs> just like someone who's all like artsy but Christian rock bandy. Um, either way, yeah, I can assure you, it is neither of those two things. <laughs> and and then, it's kind of interesting that those two worlds mm. both are hitting my radar from one. They're opposite, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I get get back from that uh, you know just you know i do i do a church uh church get a couple sundays a month nice a few, a few different ones i bounce okay. bounce between those are hard and, to land out here y- you know like i just actually just did that one with ryan vaughn maybe i told you about that oh that ccm one yeah. over oh uh, yeah way out way out east oh and where's that again covina oh yeah I, d- I did that like twice yeah it's cool super cool yeah um it's it's a you know yeah. It's early. Yeah, and Ryan, and Ryan's good people. I love Ryan. You know? I, I went to college with him. That's how I know him. That's at, right. You guys Phoenix. are both Arizona people. Yeah. We go like I knew him when he was nineteen. That's, I you know I, I you know I know him from from New York in the East Coast. Right. I forget he's not from there. No, I think he came out. He went to New York. Uh, he went to New York a little bit before I came here. Yeah, like he was. I was in school with him when I had that accident that I was telling you about. Ah, uh, gotcha. So that was 03, and I think he went to William Patterson in 04. I think. Okay. No, that timeline-wise, from what I can remember, that makes sense. Okay. Um, But yeah, I love playing football. Oh, not to to totally go left here, but... Because I kept getting sidetracked. But when you're asking about, like, advice to give to people coming here, the other half of what I was going to say, I'm just... Because I don't want to forget it, is, you know... Okay, so one, you know, be willing to, you know, do the work and go out and be social and, and all that business. You know, have have some sense of focus of, of what you're here to do, yeah. but 
and this is going to sound counterintuitive to what I just said, but but be be a little bit flexible. Right. Be malleable. Yeah. Huh. You know, you know, just L. Here's what I have noticed about it. A big difference between L.A. and New York is scenes out here and and just kind of clicks of people and all that tends to cross pollinate a l- more than it did in New York. Okay. In New York, if you were playing on that West Village scene, the odds are you were only going to meet more people in that same scene. Yeah. If you were doing Broadway gigs, you're only going to meet Broadway people. If you're doing wedding and club date, you know, shit as they call it out there, right. you're only going to meet more of those people. Where out here, in, even in my short time, I've met a lot of people involved in in a lot of things that I would that I'm interested in and would like to be involved with mm-hmm. doing gigs and sessions that seemingly had nothing to do with any of that other stuff with where you met them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to happen a lot out sure. here as opposed to on the East coast where it seemed, everything seemed a little more in, kind of in, in, insular okay. as they would say. So, you know, just be, be open to that possibility. I mean, if, if someone calls you for a gig or something and you just, you just don't like this person or you know it's going to be trash. I mean, you know, use your intuition, but sure. but I, I guess don't be so hyper-focused that it keeps you from doing some other things. Yeah. Now, you came, you came out here already being a pro. What, what would you speak to a younger generation interested in coming to L.A. from any city? Like, what, what needs to be together outside of fundamentals? Like, know a handful of tunes, like be able to get around your instrument, good time, good attitude, all that. Any um, specific little, uh, since I would no, because like the newness to you in LA, it's more on your radar right now. Of like, okay, mm-hmm. this is way different than New York. So while this is on your radar, how would you maybe tell a student about um, who's thinking about coming out here? I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying, what we were talking about earlier about kind of like like knowing music and knowing some songs and tunes and stuff. Yeah. I think I think the best thing you can do, especially if you're younger and trying to get started and just trying to get on some gigs that'll eventually lead you to people that can put you on bigger and bigger things and so on. Yeah, know know some tunes. Right. Whatever whatever scene you're, you know, a, a a part of, you know, really dig you know, spend some time digging into that repertoire. Right. Just because that's kind of you know, that's sort of the the basic language of uh yeah. of, of what's going on and I mean, those I think, are the dudes that get the calls, right? The guys that, it's like, he knows the tunes. Mm-hmm. I don't have to email a tune list. I don't have to text a tune list. I don't have to say anything. Right. All I do, I have to do is call this guy and then call this tune, and it makes my job easier. Abs- absolutely. And it kind of, and it sort of, I think it sort of builds a sense of trust with who you're working with, because sure. even if you are just the most burning dude, you know, if you show up to something someone made a really good analogy. It's like, let's say you go to a doctor who's known for being a great doctor. Uh, he's known for being the best at what he does. And you tell him, I need knee surgery. And his first question to you is, uh, knee surgery, where's where's the knee again? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, you, you're going to be like, I don't give a shit how, what your <laughs> yeah, reputation is. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I think it kind of, same thing. Like if, you know, if someone calls you to play some rock gig and, they, you know, they call a Hendrix, a fairly common Hendrix tune, and you're like, what is that? Right. That's automatically, it kind of automatically puts people less at ease. Sure. And even if you're, no, I mean, it's, obviously none of our goals are to play covers for the rest of our lives, but 
you know, also at jam sessions, you know, at least the way it worked in, in New York is like if you were to go sit in at the Village Underground on a, on a Sunday or Monday night, whoever was playing bass would just say, yeah, hop up. And you would basically be playing up there as long as you knew the songs. Right. As soon okay. as, you know, as soon as That's you didn't know di- something. way different than the L.A. model, which is like one, maybe two. And then we'll get somebody else up there, the house guy. Yeah. I mean, if there was a lot of guys wanting to play, they would they would move it along. But sure. but if there if there wasn't, you know. If the house guy felt comfortable with you, as long as you knew the songs that kept coming up, he would just leave you up there. And, mm. You know, so it kind of became like the goal to be like, okay, well, if I'm going to go hang and sit in, let's see how long I can stay up right, for. Right, right, You know, and that just, you know, which gives you more opportunity to play and be heard. Sure. And vibe with people. And be recognized for knowing material. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I think that's something that's a little over overlooked okay okay you know especially with with younger players yeah and it's only going to help your musicianship of course of you know course. just what are some key records you think uh outside of michael and stevie so like outside of you know if you're gonna like know some r&b like outside of shaka michael jackson in the r&b world stevie, stevie wonder you know, and like all the normal, like Al Green and like. Gotcha. Okay. Well, what are like some records? What are some records like? Yeah, this is gonna get called, but it's not necessarily. Um. Well, let's see here. I mean, it if you're dealing with like singers, if like there's a singer in the mix in that world, um. You know, I'm just thinking of what comes up. You know, female singers, they always, you know, they a lot of them want to do Erica Badu songs. Okay. So. You know, it's good. You know, no mom record. Mama's gun. No, no baduism. No, the live one. Right. Um, Puff. Th- I played Puff a lot off Worldwide Underground. Yep, that'll yeah. that'll come up. And the other one uh, from that record is uh, it's called I Want You. It's the, yeah. It's what. Yeah. What that starts with a keyboard. Yeah. That that'll pop up sometimes. Um. And also thinking female singers, um, like a lot of a lot of singers that do that kind of music are pulling a lot from like 90s stuff so like a lot yeah. of Mary J. Blige tunes will come up all the time right. a lot of Lauryn Hill stuff pops up that whole record um, I was <clears throat> I was geeking out on that record the other night I love yeah. Miss Education yep yeah she's nuts but that's yeah. a great record <laughs> that that came up too you know <laughs> uh, have you had encounters with her no but I've played with damn near everyone who's been in her band and they've all had something got a story sure and we could that could be a whole nother <laughs> episode episode for sure <laughs> people who have played with lauren hill and what they think um so let's see that's that's always good to know the, all those those first couple of jill scott records yeah. stuff's gonna come up off of that and then even going back a little further like some of the black street stuff mm-hmm. and um you know a lot of the stuff that you know teddy riley was involved with sure. back then that seems to kind of find its way in there yeah so that's something that's maybe that's you know as far as stuff that that I found kind of gets called in that world, but maybe isn't quite as on the radar as as the Stevie and the Marvin and the Mike. Right, the... right, right. So it's not like you know the the one hundred and one rock with you or signed sealed or whatever. Right, but it's gonna get called like yeah, all those are Jill Scott's mm-hmm. definitely a big one. Yep, uh, Golden Long Walk. Uh, cool, oh, and, man. oh, and you know like uh, you know Prince stuff is always good to know yeah. for that, of course. Um, you know, there's the hits, and then you know, there's there's some B sides of his that'll that'll pop up from here, and you know, but it all it all depends on who you're, yeah, who there's you're always that, and, and then at some point it does get so overwhelming, 
because right. everybody's got their 60 tunes and there's a lot there's a core right that everybody mm-hmm. at some point but then there's maybe like 15 or 20 it's just like oh okay okay I gotta go, go I gotta go check that out yeah which is great because yeah, you get to learn something new right absolutely so that's 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 kind of helped me sort of find my way into things is just being having a little bit of a repertoire. Yeah, I'd say that's a, that's that would be my one thing, especially for younger players because I think it's it's ha- the younger and younger they are, I feel like the less and less because you can pull it up on your phone. Right, that's the thing, man. Like I kind of wish now, I'm I'm slightly a hypocrite because I've done it at jams. Like I'll pull up mm-hmm. a tune, but I really wish the jam sessions. Had some rules about that. You know, like, I wish that, and I I kind of, in the back of my mind, I feel like I get it, right? Whoever's leading the jam wants to keep the club happy to keep the gig going. Mm-hmm. So you want people out there, if they're sitting in, then they're going to wait their turn, they're going to buy the drink, whatever. It's heads in the room. It's a hustle. But I really do wish, like, jam sessions would be, like, no phones. Mm-hmm. It, it, it definitely takes the vibe out of things. Yeah. Sometimes. And- like, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Right. And and look, hey, we're we're human. Nobody knows everything. Right, not you, so, right. you know, learn it for next time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's cool too. Um yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the 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 the, the phone. I mean, I think it's I mean, look, if if you're playing all night and you're like in a house band and some horn player calls some Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, Calls some uh, some Wayne Shorter tune that's maybe not quite on everybody's radar, right? And everybody wants to do it, then you know, fine. Yeah. As long as you're not buried in your phone all night long, right? You know, it's the same thing with, you know, I know I know cats who are just like really weird about people reading music on stage sometimes. In general, just in general, yeah. It's like, look, you know, it's obviously if this is a a band or you play with all the time or a gig you do every week, yeah, you probably shouldn't have your head in the page, right? After doing it for six months, but you know, shit, if you're just hired to play for someone and you're probably never going to play this music again, and right. there was only time for one rehearsal, of course you're going to read the shit. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean I've done it. I've done you it. Know? At, like hotel cafe when it's like an artist, you know. And you just... <laughs> right. I got the iPad out because like you know I got the tunes two days ago and there was no rehearsal or a quick run through in someone's basement. Right. Like, yeah, I'm reading. And I mean, do, do your homework so you're yeah. not you know like hyper dependent and you can't even glance away from it. But sure. You know, I don't, I have nothing wrong with having a having a having some notes. No, no, no. I'm, I'm fine with notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, more just there. I think there's a distinct, and you, I'm sure you'd agree, a d- distinct difference between knowing material versus reading it off your phone, and then like a pickup gig where you're reading notes. You know, like exactly. Those are just the working value of having a repertoire together. Mm-hmm. Right. You know how yeah. it is. You work you work with an artist, and you spend some time with the with the music, but Still, it's like, you know, it'll be like the day before the gig and you're going through it and you're like, okay. That, like, what I like to do is I'll try to do as, given, if I have a reasonable amount of time, yeah. I'll sit with it as much as I can, play through it, and, and try to, you know, internalize as much as I can. And then by like the day before or even that day when I realize, okay, this, this, and this is not sticking, that's when I just write, like, you know. Okay, a little note. Br- br- bridge has extra bar yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on such and such song. And, right, you know, right, right. You know, second, you know, second verse is twice as you know things like that. Yeah, yeah, the little, yeah. Uh, the little variables. Yeah, yeah, that, those kind of notes. Cool, man. Thanks yeah, for coming dude. in. Yeah, man. Thanks for 
Yeah, let me that's cool. talk a bunch of shit. <laughs> so what we do? I mean, I hope uh, you got hope. a website or anything you want to um, out there. You get uh, I, any kind of? I I, I what are your no, links? I don't have my own website. I mean, I have a YouTube channel. Okay, that's got some stuff. I have to I have to record some new stuff for that because even the most recent stuff on that is a few years old now. What do you What do you record? Like uh, you doing baseline covers? You doing your own thing? Blowing on changes? So a little of all of that? So. On the YouTube channel, it's 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 mostly band stuff okay. that I you know recorded in a studio with. The first first handful I did was with a trio. Then the second one was with a uh, four piece band, one of which has a singer on it. Okay. So and if you just I think if you just type in Brian Ladd bass yeah. on YouTube that you'll you'll find it. Okay. And then um, the kind you have of a cl- very Irish the, sounding name. Oh yeah, it's actually a. But you look like you're Italian. What's your what's your ethnicity? You you. You kind of nailed it, but let me just, okay. we'll get there in a second. Okay. That's, that's a story, but so go there. You, you, that's on YouTube. And then, um, you know, if, if you go to Brian Ladd base on Instagram, that's where I do mostly just like little short, you know, okay. clips of sometimes blowing on changes, sometimes just working out ideas over a drum groove, sometimes yeah. little covers of songs I like. Okay. Um, but you know, Instagram, it's, that's more of like the quickie kind of. Right, stuff. what's the time limit on that? Like a minute or something, I don't think you right? can... Yeah, I think... And if you record more than a minute, then it converts it to like two videos that you have to scroll through. And okay. I've just... I've, I've kind of stopped recording full-length things for Instagram because I found that nobody listens beyond 30 seconds to a minute if you're lucky. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I mean, I... I'm not hating on it, but that's no, just... No, no, no. That's, I mean, like, that's just that model. I run the Instagram for this whole thing, the base shed, and... Uh, obviously, I do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, why would I be subbing that up? Uh, but I don't do videos on there. Like I just, I like I don't ever really post to myself playing. I don't know how any of it works. Like I would have to Google how to do it. How to make a video of yourself? Yeah, well, like, well, no, not how to make oh. a video, but like the time restraints or like, because you just record live, right? It's just like live stream straight to Instagram. I I don't. I actually or do the video app and then upload it. Yeah, just video video. I go I go from my little I plug my bass into my little Angular. Yeah. AG seven hundred little. You're plug, endorsed, right? Little, little, yeah. yeah little shout out to Aguilar. Yeah. yeah, they're they're the shit. Yeah. No, I I love this. And show. then I just take a line off that into this. Someone got me this really easy little thing called a roll and go mixer, and it's basically it's like Where it plugs right into your phone. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it just mixes your bass sound or yeah. your guitar, whatever instrument you play, or you could sing into it through you know run a mic to it. And you can also mix in like a you know the track from if you're trying to play along to something, sure. and it's just a way better sounding mix than if you just put an amp in the room and no mic- no yeah I've like doing these videos, I got a whole hustle set up, but I had originally planned on doing it straight to the phone like this other phone I had that way, but then it was like I didn't know if I was going to be flying in another track too or like if I needed another track for metronome, mm-hmm. you know because in. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, basically. Uh, so I didn't do all that. Now I just do it on the software. Basically, it's it's all this rig with an actual HD camera, and I got like soft cool. box lights, and it's a whole like it's a whole movie set. It's so pretty ridiculous. So that's a way better production than what I, <laughs> than, than what I do when I record these little clips. But it's but probably but it's, the same sound though. But it's easy though. It's yeah. just it's right in there. You know, you can you know do a couple takes. And the reason yeah. I don't do the live thing is because I just I like to be able to chop off the. The, the first 10 seconds where I'm tapping on yeah, 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 and, yeah, and right. click, clicking play and, and all that. And that way I can kind of edit it, you know, for time because yeah. 
I, I think I think on Instagram, if you if it goes over a minute, it'll just restart it anyway. Okay, just I'll create a loop of itself. Yeah, I, I think see. I think that's how it works. On Facebook video, I think you can do like whole whole videos and stuff. Okay. Um, but everyone's so Instagram crazy these days that yeah. that it, it kind of helps to have something there too. Yeah, what's so. gonna be what's gonna become quicker? You know what I mean? Like, what's the because it's just become more and more. Uh, digestible, right? It was mm-hmm. Facebook. That was then Twitter. Like just the newsfeed, minimal interaction. It's not quite the same. Just the headline. That's really right. fast. Now you don't even have to read. It's just a picture. <laughs> you know, with Instagram, like read if you want. Like what's gonna be next? That's what I'm always thinking. About. I don't know like, where, where are things I'm, going. I'm, I'm, I'm scared about where I'm things are going. I'm the wrong dude for that question. I got. Oh, you okay. I got, a, I got an Amber Alert on my phone the other day, which that's a good thing, right? Yeah. But my whole my my phone was linked to the Bluetooth stereo in my car. Everything in my car goes silent, because the Amber Alert like blocked it all out. The music that was going from my phone to the, and I immediately got freaked out. Uh, one, it sucks for the Amber Alert. Whatever happened there, I, I hope that person's okay. But they can reach millions of people, with whatever, like whatever the agenda is. Yes, an Amber Alert's a good thing. You know, everybody be on the watch for someone who's abducted. That's mm-hmm. good. But that could be used for evil. And oh, hell scary. yeah. And that just scares the hell out of me. Just like how they can tap into everybody's life. Mm. Ah, scares me. That That is another topic. Yeah. I mean, it already, it already has been used in oh, it already horrible is being ways. Used. For, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, oh, what you were saying about... <laughs> Back to Instagram. <laughs> well, the other thing, you were asking... About my Irish sounding last yeah, yeah. name, it's actually a false. It's I guess you could call it a false last name because okay. here's what happened. Um, who who made the? What generation made the chop? So, so I am. My mother is Italian. Okay. So that's so is mine. So that's why I look that way. Yeah. And my father is. Uh, he he's from a Jewish family. His okay. Grand, he, he he was he was he grew up in Long Island. His parents are are from the Bronx. Okay. And so my my grandfather, his so I guess so I guess this would be my great grandfather was the first to to change a name. It was it was Cohen, which is a very Jewish, oh, yeah. which is a very Jewish sounding name. Sure. And the reason they changed it was because that's quite in, a leap. Well, and here's why. My uh, my grandfather's brother, my uncle, was applying for medical school, mm. and all these schools had more than met their quota of Jewish students. You know, that's a, oh. it's a real thing. You know, the, the Jewish doctors. And, right, right. You know, even back then, you know, they still wanted a, a diverse student population. Sure. So they were seeing all these applications come in and just reading the names like Cohen or Goldstein or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, go just on, and just going next, we got we already got enough kind of okay. thing. So, so kind of realizing that was a problem, um, my grandfather actually – my. I guess this would be my great grandfather changed the family name legally, and they had a clothing a clothing store for men called Lad's Clothing. Okay, and just took that as the last name because it's pretty, it, it's kind of non uh, non descriptive as far sure. as ethnicity. Right. And and the re- the thing is, they had to actually keep it for real though, because if they put a fake name on the application and then they investigated, well, then that would be a problem. Right, so. right. And then there goes the education that they were trying to get into. Right. You're going to get the boot, right. So that's that's where the name comes it's from. playing I'm, heads up ball, right? That's really reading the, really watching, being, 
uh, aware of what's happening. Yeah. They're taking it that far. They can respect I that. I think, well, you know, and it, they it just, I, I don't think it was that big of a secret at, at the time that they were, yeah. that a lot of these schools wanted a, you know, a, di- a diverse Was this population. a common practice? Do you know? Like, how much have you talked to your grandparents about it? Not that much, but but I do know that's a story. Uh, that's a story as far as I know, sure. and but that's been going on. That's goes on today. I mean, right. at I mean at uh, at Berkeley. I mean, a lot of this, you know, and they they weren't, you know, there's nothing illegal about this. They were definitely giving certain amounts of scholarship to students of different ethnicities, and sure. you know, because it's, you know, as an institution, you know, they. You know, it, it's right, looks, keep it diverse. Right, it looks better yeah. to have a diverse. You know, so that's just. I think that's so just. Then kinda, you're actually Jewish and Italian. Yeah. Okay. I was not raised Jewish at all. I was not bar mitzvahed or, or right, anything. Right. Like my dad grew up very. His parents they were Jewish, but very loose yeah, about okay. it. And my mom is an Italian. You know, grew Catholic. Up, grew up Italian Catholic. Yeah. So and like all deep in it, or just kind of like back. But burner. but but also, I mean, my grandparents on that side, they're still fairly deep in it, but loose enough to where it wasn't that is not something that she really cared to hang on to that strongly. Yeah. So between my dad being Jewish, but not really that heavy into it growing right. up, and my mom not being that heavy into her religion, they just kind of let it go. Okay, we're we're spiritual, but we don't subscribe to. Either to to any set organized religion. Sure, sure, sure. And, and if, both of those are, I mean, both of those are really strong. Like the Italian Catholic and obviously Judaism is. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of those are heavy cultures within themselves. They are. Know? They are for sure. And my 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 grandparents on both sides are are characters. Are they deep in it? Well, they're 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 not deep in the religion part of it I wouldn't say but they they embody a lot of those just this is going to sound really sorry if I offend anybody here but <laughs> they they do embody some of those funny just stereotypes about okay. about you know about it's, Italian, Italian Catholics yeah, yeah, and sure. and Jewish folks from the Bronx right, right, <laughs> you know right. they they talk funny they you know it's just um but My as far but as far as the religion that didn't really uh, that wasn't really a part of my upbringing. Right, right, right. My mom, my mom is from Buffalo, New York, and her oh, okay. her maiden name is Greco, so she's Italian, right? Full, full blooded Italian. But even on her side of the family, like everybody's kind of aware. Like you know, those grandparents had like you know maybe some like painted dishes with Jesus or the praying hands on it, or like some crucifixes or something. But they weren't like it wasn't this really heavy Catholic vibe. Uh, there, mm-hmm. so maybe it's it's kind of similar to that, you know, that my mom came up in, mm-hmm. where it's like it's there, and like, you know, the, those they were great people, very moral people, everything was centered, it was cool, uh, but no one was really, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a church every Sunday, they weren't going to mass all the time, they would, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a that thing. Yeah, that's that sounds very similar to to my grandparents on my right. mom's side. The, my grandparents on my dad's side, they they they've both passed in the last five to ten years. But on my mom's side, yeah, it's it's very similar. Like they they'll have some, they'll they'll have a picture of uh you know of Jesus on the wall in yeah. in one of the rooms. There's and, a Last Supper plate. Yeah, you know, the, like a plate propped up. Exactly. With the, yep. <laughs> in a thing with other plates and cups. Like, yeah, they got a couple of those. Yeah. but. And I think you know they they still go to church most Sundays, but 
you know, it's 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 a Catholic mass. You know, it's one hour and right, and that's that's and the end of it. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty. Um, but yeah, it sounds like there are our folks are coming from similar yeah, similar, uh, similar, similar worlds there. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, uh, dude. Did, we, did you say your links? You started to. We got you on. What's your YouTube channel? It's, you know, let me double check what it's, actu- <laughs> what it's actually called. I might have to actually send you. Let me just text you this link, I guess. Like, I don't know. I know you can uh, get a personalized YouTube URL. It's, which, it's kind of a process. Which I, I think And it's I so daunting, have, but... I give up. Like, I tried to do one for the base shed, and I just... I don't, I'm, I'm retarded with that stuff. And there's I, I have more important things to do than figure out, you know, having it read backslash base shed. Like, I got... Yeah. yeah, like, nah, I feel, yeah as long as people can find it. Yeah. I might just leave all this in for everybody playing along at home. My phone is screwed up, and I have to go take it to get repaired. I dropped it last week and just broke the uh, the screen, but then the LCD situation underneath it got messed up and I can't unlock my phone because the touchscreen doesn't work. Nah. So that's where I'm at for everybody playing along at the house. Okay, so I just sent you an actual link to the YouTube uh, channel. This is 860? That's me, yeah. Not to air out your phone number. Well, if they can guess the next seven numbers <laughs> to find me, then... Man, you'll do the gig then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Instagram is just Brian Ladbase, but it's Brian with a Y. Okay. Otherwise, a different guy will show up. Right. <laughs> uh, you're playing Aguilar and you're still playing Federa? Any other brands you're, yeah, you're repping? Um, Aguilar, Federa. I mean, I st- I've got a bunch, couple of Fender bases. I mean, I'm not really connected with them, but right. still play those all the time. Uh, J or P? Got a J, got a P, and then a five-string active J, all right. which I play all the time too. Yeah. You know, they're all a little different, so sure. they all have a they all have a place in my life. Yeah, of course, of course. And what year P? Because they there was a couple years there where they were making the bodies really light, and I thought it lost the uh, the mojo of a P bass because like the body was lighter, so it wasn't resonating the same. The um, and it just it didn't it didn't have that P bass kind of grit when you really. Fender definitely went through a phase where they they're making as far as I can tell really good stuff now but they went yeah. through a phase where the stuff was less than kind of less than Yeah. This I got that this the P that I have is it's relatively new. It's like maybe 5 years old. Okay. So I guess that year would that would make it what like a just straight up passive P yep. nothing. Yeah. Cool. That so that would make it like a 2014. Yeah, all right. I think the J that I have is about 10 or 11 years old. Okay. And the five string J that I have is about also about four or five years old. So they're all relatively new. Yeah. Um I like those like smaller bodies they did in the light the late nineties. Remember those seven eighths bodies they did on the jazz bass? Kind of. I'd, I'd have really to see one those. to really like they just looked so sleek. I was really into it. And then like they got into like the big horns again and it looked a little goofy. Yeah. Well, hey, God, God bless them for trying new yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, they're doing hey, stuff, and know? I have the time in my life to be able to think about this, so uh, things aren't all that bad. I get to think about the shape um, of Fender bass bodies. Oh, I thought of someone for... Oh, yeah, who do you got? Maybe... Uh, I feel like Lee Sklar doesn't get enough love these days. Oh, man, I just met him. Yeah? Yeah, and I want to get him on the podcast. Oh, dude, he'd be great. Yeah. He's got some really cool... like. 
interviews floating around on YouTube that I think he did relatively recently. I saw him in Petitucci, like, just yeah, sitting there. Did you see that, that one? That was I one of them. that one a lot. They're just talking, and he actually had a really good... Speaking of, like, where's the scene going and freelance and yeah. how that's going to look, he had a really interesting thing to say, and you can, you know... Are on we, one of those videos? Are we still on? Yeah, we're still on. Okay. If you are listening to this and want to go check it out, um, you'll hear him say this, and he says it better than than me, but it was something like some you know younger player had approached him, whether it was a lesson or something, and he said, so... He said, it says, I would love to have, you know, the same kind of career as you, you know, just playing on records and, you know, touring with the people that you actually played on the record with and, you know, just having that amount of studio work. And the thing Lee Sklar says is, he says, all right, well, here's what you need to do. You need to go to your father's garage and build yourself a time machine (laughs) because it's just not happening like that. Yeah. (laughs) Right, and he wasn't. It wasn't like a, he wasn't saying it douchey at all. He was just no, saying like, sure, like that's just not the scene anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't. I can't think of anybody who, mm-hmm. you know, but do like the cats cutting the record are not the dudes doing the tour. Yeah, like that's just not it. And uh, but yeah, as far as like another guy to transcribe, I mean, yeah, maybe you know some of the stuff he did with James Taylor, and then just oh, as a total one eighty, maybe you know that that Billy Cobham record he played on. Which one is that? Uh, it's called Spectrum. Okay, I don't have that one. It's uh, you've probably heard s- some of these songs. It's like kind of became sort of a fusion like classic. Okay. It's, it's got like Red Baron on it and okay, and that song uh, Stratish, you know, do 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 yeah, and that's and that's that's Lee playing all that shit. Okay, Chuck Rainey's gonna make an appearance, dude. I was doing a session with Yaji like two weeks ago. Oh, cool. And, uh... Love that guy. Yeah, me too. And there was something going on, like, in the neighborhood. Like, there's helicopters going on, and the street right here was all closed off, like, with tapes. And, um, and so we were waiting till the helicopters died down to hit record, because you could hear it in the yeah, room. Yeah, that'll, that'll bleed. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so we're just, like, hanging out in the control room, and the eyes just like, dude, check this out. And he pulls up the theme to Sesame Street. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Chuck Rainey. I'm like, really? <laughs> Have you checked that out lately? Let's check check out the old Sesame Street. Okay. Like the shuffle on that is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to transcribe Sesame Street, but it's worth mm. like everybody should check it out. Oh, dude, Chuck yeah, Rainey is a beast. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a fact. <laughs> is he is he in New York? Is he out here? I don't know where he he's lives. At. He lives in Dallas, I I think. Last really? last I heard. Okay. Last I heard, that could I could have been given misinformation that could have changed, but. To my knowledge, I think that's where he is. Right. And I... I Jerry Jamont's out. He's been active in the last few years out here. Here in LA? Yeah. Okay. Because he's been a New York guy since the beginning of time. Yeah. No, I was was doing this brunch gig on Sundays with a guitar player who uh, was playing with him. He's another guy that... Yeah. That'd be great to... Absolutely. Like all those dudes. You know, like do some of that King Curtis shit that he played on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man... Fun projects, things that are inspiring you, records you're listening to. Um, yeah, what are you listening to? Or, or I've been trying to get this happening, and a couple guys have told me the story, but I ended up editing it out for the sake of time. Uh, but we're well over what time usually is, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, worst gig. What's the story? Worst gig. Okay. Um, or just like a gnarly gig story. If it's not a worst gig, or you don't want to throw anybody under the bus or whatever like no, you don't no. have to name names so. no and even if i did you wouldn't know who these these okay. people are anyway i think the worst 
Well, I've played like some weddings that were just so brutally long. Okay. And in such terrible sounding rooms that it was really painful. But I think as far as just overall musically terrible, like... Or just something happened that was weird on the gig. Like, it was just... Uh, the night just turned into a cluster for whatever reason. Okay. Well, um, back in Brooklyn, I, 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 I did get sucker punched in between, <laughs> in, between, in, in between sets. There was my... If we're still on my... So, you know, I, I, I will tell you. Okay. Um, uh... This was a, a super hood place in Brooklyn called called Essence Bar and Bar and Lounge. Okay, used to play there with this singer. We would do like old ass Sam Cooke tunes and yeah. that kind of vibe, and that's okay. what that's what they liked there. Just and like old soul, yeah, yeah, like just right on right on Atlantic and Troy in the middle of Bed Stuy in in Brooklyn. Which now Bed Stuy has gotten pretty cleaned up and gentrified and whatever. This block is still bad. You still don't want to go. To, <laughs> you still don't want to go there, but. There was a little, uh, you know, bodega on the corner, you know, like halfway up the block from yeah. the club. So on my break, I would always go and grab something. Sure. And I should have known better um, than to, than to go by myself, you know. But I would do it all the time and never had an issue. But what should have, what I mean, the reason I should have known better is because it becomes a just a walk up window after dark behind bulletproof glass, which ah. should kind of tell you something. There's yeah, there's a reason for so, that. And I was kind of in a hurry because we were about to start, so I was running, and I had—I think I had like two bucks or something visible in my hand as okay. I was walking up to the window. So I walk up to the window, I knock on the thing to get the guy's attention, and I get punched in the back of the head <laughs> for the two dollars. Well, so I like—it—I didn't actually get knocked out, but it yeah. disoriented me, and I turn around to see what the fuck is going on, and then as soon as I turn around, I get punched in the face. And this disoriented me enough for this, I'm assuming, was some kind of crackhead to yeah. wrestle the $2 out of my hand and just bolt. Okay. <laughs> I still, to this day, I can't tell you what this guy looked like. Could have could have been a little old lady for, yeah, all, for, right. all, for all I know. Yeah. But that, so that sucked. So and then, then you have to go back and play the, uh, then you have to go back and play yeah, the set. Yeah, so now I got, so now I got a bloody nose. I look, <laughs> I look, I look like shit. I'm pissed and I got to go play the set. Right. And you didn't give, you didn't get whatever you're going there for. Like a cup nope, of coffee or a hamburger nope, or whatever. didn't even get my... RC Cola or whatever yeah, the hell, yeah, right. whatever cheap soda they they sold there, that sucked. And then, um, but it did teach me that I can take a punch in the face like a pro. Yeah, from an old lady. Yeah, from yeah. Maybe, from <laughs> from maybe an old lady. I'm I'm gonna give myself a little more credit no, that it yeah, probably that, it, like that, that it probably wasn't an old lady, no, but yeah. Um, and then well, the the I think the worst gig musically though is I just. I think like you know, one of my old teachers had put me in touch with some singer that I'd never met who had just booked a gig at just some bar and it was just such a clusterfuck like like beyond your average clusterfuck of a gig. Okay. And I you know I was still relatively new to New York at the time and you know didn't have a lot going on so I you know I took it. Yeah, of course. Was it a really young band? No, it was or a really old band. Kind of it, kind of in between. It was just, okay. it was just a bunch of people that just don't play music very often. Ah. And what struck me was this drummer was so bad and so loud. Yeah. I have to this day, I have yet to play with a drummer this just loud. I've just that can just draw this much 
volume out of a snare drum okay. than this guy. And it was, was not he a big guy. Was he moving a lot of mass? He was a, he was a, this... he was a big dude, but it, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a good loud. No, it, it sure. was just a like he has no control of the instrument loud. Yeah. yeah. But rather than it coming out as just kind of weak and sloppy, it came out as loud as hell and sloppy. <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm trying to. I don't even remember. Would you, would you rather relive the punch in the back of the head or playing with him? Um. <laughs> I'll, I'll take. Let, let, let's take note of how I'll long take, it's taking. I'll, I'll take the punch in the head answer. because because that, that that was actually a good gig musically. The only reason I wouldn't want to take the punch in the head is actually getting hit really wasn't that big a deal. It was just looking like shit for a week and having right. to answer what happened. Right, what right, happened? Right, right. If if I didn't have the markings and had to answer that question, or you didn't have to tell the story every day, five times a day, twenty times a day. Yeah, whatever, for right. like the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't have to do that, I'd take getting hit in the head and just shaking that off and going back and playing music I like versus versus Mutant Drummer. How, how many how many sets was uh, Mutant Drummer? Like how long was that gig? It was long enough to where it really yeah. was rough. Right, it, it's that memorable. That, yeah. yeah, it was. Yes, this right. was. This is definitely on the on the books in the top four or five worst. <laughs> That's hilarious, and I didn't even know what some line on. I remember I used to play country music in Phoenix. This is this country cover band. <clears throat> the band leader booked us, and it was we were playing in Flagstaff, and it was snowing. And he's like, dude, we're playing for this like Christmas parade downtown. It's snowing, snowing out. And he's like, we're going to be on a float, and they're going to like, we're going to play on, on the float, and they're going to drive us through downtown. <laughs> Great. And it's snowing outside. And I'm like, dude, pet retard. Um, everybody in that band was really close. Like, we were... We're really close friends. Um, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say the R word. I just realized I said that. Apologize. Um, what R word? I called Pat a retard. Oh, that like, yeah, that I don't R word. You can say uh, that. Yeah, you probably probably but, shouldn't, but probably, yeah, but I did. Uh, anyways, back then it was okay, and that's mm. what I said to him back then. The float was a I don't know maybe a 1976. Uh, Ford Bronco, like the big ones, not the OJ small Ford Bronco, mm-hmm. like the big one. I don't think it's passed admissions since 1976, and we're being pulled <laughs> on a flatbed just trailer. It's snowing outside. We have to play country music. We're being pulled around downtown so it, Flagstaff. So it's outside. cold as hell, and your shit is getting wet. And, and we are breathing in the exhaust <laughs> oh, no. of this for probably about two and a half hours. That, that, that was one of my worst. Wow. It's hard to explain. You kind of had to be there. Me and the guitar player relived that I've, tragedy sometimes. I can relate. I've definitely done some outdoor gigs in weather that was far well, less yeah, than... Well, yeah, especially in New York. That's got to be... There's yeah. got to be some of those. I mean, 99% of the time, people are smart enough not to book an outdoor gig in the right. when it would be cold. But, you know, you book a, an outdoor gig to be middle of April, and sometimes it still feels like winter. And Yeah, yeah but then but there's the humidity, too. You guys got that back then, right? Like, do you ever play just in some gnarly humidity? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing. In the summer, you do an outdoor gig, and it can be just brutally hot. Right. Yeah, here, like, I'm complaining at 82 degrees. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it so warm outside? You know, doing, like, like kind of fancy gigs, outdoor fancy gigs in the summer where you got to wear a suit, and it's... Oh, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But not as bad as Mutant Drummer. Yeah. Whew. You'd rather have the punch in the head. I like it. Again, if... 
there wasn't. <laughs> right, right. If, if there wasn't the fallout, if I didn't have the fallout yeah. and have to tell people what happened all the time, sure. You, you know? just give them like a pamphlet, like here's the yeah. story, a nice little handout. Yeah, man. Cool, man. Let's go make sure your car doesn't get a ticket. Perfect. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, there you have it. That was the conversation with Brian Ladd. That's his story. I'm sticking to it. Um, I will have all his links on the page, the podcast page on the website. Since April, when I had a cracked screen and then like the touchscreen thing wouldn't work, I got the screen fixed. Then the phone was cool. And then the charging port on the bottom... <laughs> it's hilarious all the drama I've gone through with just the phone in the last few months then the charging par- port on the bottom of that phone stopped working so it wouldn't charge then I had to just go get a whole new phone um, which sucked right it's just one of those things when you realize like oh today's the day that I gotta go deal with this all finally I can't keep wiggling this thing around and finding the sweet spot and just gently setting it down and walking away for about an hour um Although I'm I'm happy to not do that little dance anymore to charge the phone. Anyways, all that to say is I've gone through another phone. I got to dig out the um, all the links he did text me, um, and those will be on the uh, the website on the podcast page uh, next to his his picture and uh, the short little synopsis of the episode, which is I think one sentence long. It's not a lot. Uh, but that's what's going on. Um, <clears throat> next week, next week we're talking to uh, an upright player whose name I can't fully pronounce. I'm not gonna lie. I had him pronounce it, and I just said okay, like, cool. That's that's what it is. I don't I don't know if I can duplicate it. <laughs> um, he's a fantastic bass player, uh, a doubler. He's working on his doctorate at USC right now, studying with Dark Holes. Um, so that's what's coming up next week, and uh, that's what's happening, folks. Uh, be good, and I'll catch you on the next one.